Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Chapter number 2, and this is a peculiar thought that God has given me. And uh, I really need your undivided attention for just a few minutes while that we try to bring this thought that God has given me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, let's break in uh, at verse number, verse number 10. And this is a peculiar message to say the least, but I feel like that it's needful. Verse number 10, what does the Bible say? To whom you forgive anything... Paul said, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now verse number 11 is a, a verse of warning to everybody that is a Christian. The Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We'll explain further about that verse in just a minute. But I want to... I want you to really pay close attention to verse number 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Verse 13 says, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. So I'm going to stop reading in verse number 13 this morning, and I want to take the 30,000-foot view of what's going on, and then we're going to go in step by step of what actually is taking place in this awesome book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. First of all, I want to say this for the benefit of our young people and maybe somebody that would be in our service that does not know who has written these words down to the church at Corinth. You studied your Bible and you know that the Apostle Paul was the writer of the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. How do we know this? We'll go back to chapter number 1 and you see that the author, the one that was writing these words, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Let me say something to you. Not everything that is written in the Word of God is to you, but everything that is written in the Word of God is for you. What do you mean by that? Well, there's some passages of Scripture, if you'll rightly divide the Word of God, you'll find in the Old Testament that a lot of those writings, if not all of them, were written to the Jewish people. Now, there's nobody sitting in our midst today that's a, maybe there could be some, but not everybody here today that is a, is a Jew. And so the Word of God, uh, some of those verses may or may not be written to you in the Word of God, but because we rightly divide the Scriptures, we find that now the Apostle Paul had been given the uh, enlightenment from the Holy Spirit for him to know uh, how that God was going to work during the church age. So when was this written? It was written in the church age, the day of grace. <clears throat> so we can... So we can nail this down this morning that this is a message to the church. So that means it's to us. 
to us as God's people. And uh, so the 30,000 foot view as we come down, we see now that the Apostle Paul has written these words to the church at Corinth. Now, at the, at the top of your Bible, if you've got a study Bible or whatever Bible you have, most likely at the top it's going to have in big letters, 2 Corinthians. That means that there's already been a letter written. And if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, there is no book in the New Testament like the book of 1 Corinthians. The apostle Paul nails down certain sins, certain things that the church is facing, dealing with and going through, and he speaks in a language that sometimes you want to blush when you think about what the apostle Paul is saying and he has done in his letter to the church of Corinth. But now there's been a space of time uh, lapse in his ministry. Paul has been going uh, from, from seacoast to seacoast, <clears throat> from different places of uh, uh, where he's writing letters, and it's believed by most theologians that the Apostle Paul had written the book of 2 Corinthians from the city of Ephesus. And he's writing these words down, and he's still remembering what he wrote to them about idolatry. He was still remembering what he had written to them about polygamy. He was still remembering what he re remembered in his words about adultery and fornication and all these things that were going on in the church of Corinth. But now he's come to the place where he's writing and he's remembering what he's written and now he's coming to them in a more softer tone. What can we learn from that? Sometimes you may have to come on strong when somebody in your uh, family is in a place of sin. You may have to do that and deal with that sin. But you remember that they are people. And what do people do? People make mistakes. And the Apostle Paul is taking a different stance now as he's writing. Not that he's changing his stance, but his way of talking to these people. Can I say, if you're a Sunday school teacher or if you're a, a deacon in this church, there may be times when we have to stand and stand together in agreement that righteous things must uh, be the things that flourish in this church. But I want you to remember that these are just people and people make mistakes. The Apostle Paul says that Satan had gotten an advantage of some people because some people were in sin. And the people, instead of helping that person that was caught in that sin, as ridiculous as it sounds, they had shunned them and they had put them in a position where that now that they felt like they were not part of the assembly. And God help us when this church or any church begins to segregate within that body and they begin to talk about one another and they begin to say, did you see what they did? Did you hear what they did? Did you see the sin that they committed? And I want to remind everybody in this church that if we want to see Satan get advantage of us, let's split off in sections and just start calling out one another's sins and, and forgetting the fact that everybody in this church is a sinner. There have been many churches that Ichabod or the glory has departed, has been written across the heading of that church because uh, Satan got an advantage of its members. The people began to be contrary with God and with each other first, and thereby Satan got an advantage. Let me say this. The best way forward for us as children of God is to be able to forgive one another. Easier said than done in most cases. 
but it's a practice we must have if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be. But I'm going to preach this morning. Now that I've dealt with a 30,000 view, 30,000 feet view up in the air, we're going to hone in now around verse number 12 and 13. What's going on with Paul? The most amazing preacher in the New Testament, in the history of our world, there's never been a man like the Apostle Paul. But in verse number 12, uh, excuse me, verse, yeah, verse number 12, he says something that uh, I can't figure out. Let me read it again to you. He says, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and that's what he was about. Every step that this man took, it was about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere that he went, it was about edifying the church, helping people hear that message that you must be born again. And that's what Paul was all about. But he comes to Troas, and the Bible says that there was a door that was opened to me by the Lord. In other words, God had opened a door wide for him to be able to preach the gospel. It's like this. The apostle Paul comes to Troas. This city uh, is open wide for the ministry and for the gospel. But we read the next verse, and the apostle Paul says that his spirit was troubled. You mean that God would open a door for this great man, and he can't even walk through it? Some of you have got doors that are flung wide open for you as a young family. Maybe as a middle-aged person, even our older people, doors are open daily by God for ministry everywhere that we go, and you cannot walk through that door for different reasons. We want to explore now just why, and I don't think that anybody's going to have a clear, distinct answer of why, uh, why that uh, he couldn't go through this open door. Let me back up for just a minute and say this, that I feel like that in my own personal ministry that God has opened some doors for me at times. For my ministry to grow and uh, do certain things that, you know, God's still working on me as the old song says and the same with you. Uh, but I feel like that God has opened doors uh, for me to go do certain things that just maybe the timing's just not been right. Uh, and any time, and I want to say this as a pastor, that any time that you're in church, I feel like I ought to be here if, if it's all possible for me to come. Why? Because this is my number one burden. This is my number one work. And sometimes doors may be open to do certain things, but the timing may be off. And so it is with you. God may open a door for you to find a work in another job or another place, and you see that open door. The, the, the question is, do I have enough faith and sense enough to be able to walk through that door? Remember what I heard just this week in a message as I was going up and down the road that uh, preacher Ralph Sexton had a, a door that was open for him back in the late 90s when his ministry was flourishing and growing and people were hearing I mean he, there was nobody like this man in the work that he was doing for God uh, and uh, somebody had gotten saved at one of his tent ministries and can you imagine this happening he was he, the, the man had come to him at the end of the, the week of the revival he'd gotten saved a multi-millionaire and he pulls out his checkbook to write uh, a check for a million dollars to get him on ABC, NBC, every major network throughout the world. And wouldn't it have been something to get up on Sunday morning and there stands Ralph Sexton preaching the Word of God? 
He said, a door was open for me, but he said the pastor of that man that had gotten saved, who was a church member, reached out as he was writing that check for a million dollars to the man of God and says, we need to pray about this and stop that man from giving what God had laid in his heart to do. That's an open door. And who knows what could have happened if that million dollars had been there for him to be able to do that work for God. Uh, Did you know that we need each other uh, in the ministry of the Lord? There is nobody in this church that's able to minister by themselves. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a deacon, it does not matter. There is nobody that can do it by themselves. You know I need my wife in the ministry. Amen. We need our companions to minister as pastors. Yes, sir, we need our, our wives. If, you got, if you're a deacon, you need her to be able to bounce ideas off of, for her to make sense of your craziness in your mind, you know. You need somebody that you can lean on. That's what Paul said. There was a door in Troas that was wide open to me, but I couldn't find Titus. He said, I couldn't find Titus. And there's all kinds of questions in my mind. What happened to Titus? Where was he? And uh, maybe Titus was on another journey on his own. The Bible does not say where Titus was at. You know your Bible. You know that Paul eventually would sit down and write a letter to Titus. And you'll read on in this. You'll find that you'll... You'll see where that Paul eventually does come back together with Titus and he finds no fault. What I'm saying is that we don't always know what God is doing. But can I say this? I don't care what you face in life. God is sovereign over everything and God can still open a door and God can close a door just as quickly as he can open one. I want to say something this morning about our church and church family. What kind of church do you think that God wants us to become in the days ahead. Our church is growing. We're witnessing something that is supernatural in our day. I, I don't understand and I don't know why that God does what he does, but I am, I am afraid because I don't want to miss the mark. And if you've got any sense about you, you don't want to miss the mark. Helping each other and being there to, with each other is something that we must do. And Titus, we cannot grow without each other. Now I do know this, that it's God's will for people to be saved. You don't have to even pray about that. It is God's will and His sovereignty that He wants everybody to be saved. But we need each other in ministry. I cannot be what God has called me to be, nor can you without the help and the touch of God on your life. There'll be doors that's opened in your life in the ministry that you have that you cannot walk through unless you've got a Titus standing there alongside of you, helping you uh, in that open door. I could never be the man that I've uh, that you've seen me become through the years had it not been for my own wife helping me. And I mean, just just doing the little things behind the scenes, uh, ironing clothes and, and making sure that I've got food before me so that I can give my mind to thinking. And by the way, if you're if you're going to teach a class, uh, you don't just get up on Sunday morning and give 15 minutes of your time before church to prepare. 
You need, you need to set yourself up from the, from the very last word that you say to that class till you meet again in preparation to teach that class. And that door that's open for you, you better take advantage of it unless Satan get advantage of you in your life and you lose the glory that God has prepared for you to have in that moment, in that time. I'm talking about doors being opened by God. Doors being opened by God for you in your life. I believe that God will put every child of God to a test in his or her life. Let me give for instance, how about Jonah, that Old Testament preacher that was so right in what he saw, and his theology was right. He saw the sin of Nineveh of that day, but he was so wrong in his ability to be able to come alongside God and be able to forgive you know preachers like that? You know something that I see wrong with the fundamental churches of northeast Georgia and elsewhere? No matter where I go, it's this way just about everywhere that I go. Seems like there's a contest amongst many of the preachers and leaders of churches that they want to find out who can be more righteous. Can I remind you there's none good, no, not one? They want to find out who's going to be more super spiritual. And they put people down to the point and they get up and they bash the people. God has never called anybody to hurt anyone. Amen. And there are ways that we deal with trouble and issues like that. But I promise you it's not going to be in a spirit of holiness nor pride in a person's life. And that's what we're witnessing. So independence and fundamental churches today are getting a bad rap because of a select few that have, they feel like that God has called them to be the church police. I want to tell you today that those churches that do that, I pity them because we need one another. Just this morning, just this morning as you were dismissing to go to Sunday school, a lady comes in and says, I need to see the pastor. And I said, ma'am, I am. That's who, I'm the pastor. She said, good, I need to speak to you. And uh, I do like uh, we always do. I went to, to the side room where Jim's at and I Got me a pencil, a piece of paper, and I said, what's your name? Write it down. And I start going through and said, what's going on? And she says, well, we're on a streak of bad luck. We're living in our car. We've spent the night in a motel and this, that, and the other. And said, we're just hard up on cash. We need money. We need food. And there's a right way to handle people. I didn't start bashing her because of the shape that she was in, but I just took things down and I said, now, we, we, we want to help you. I said, I promise you, we want to help you. John was there. He was watching. I said, we've got food next door. I said, I tell you what, you go outside and you get your family that's in the car and you bring them into the church. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to get three men of our church and we're going to investigate to see exactly what's going on in your life. And we're going to get a game plan how to help you. Does that sound like a good deal to you? Oh, yes, preacher, that sounds good. Sounds good. I went to the camera, watched the camera. She walked to her car, cranked the car, put the reverse lights on, drove off. But what if, what if I'd have said, you're sorry, no good for nothing. You've been laid up all night smoking dope and everything else. And I can read, read between the lines. What I'm saying is that when somebody comes to you like that, and I don't care if it's in church, out of church, if you've got employees or you don't have employees, there is an etiquette. 
and the way that you treat people that goes a long, long way when God opens doors in your life. I wish I could say this to all the young preachers in northeast Georgia because I've tried and tried to tell them. If God has called you to preach, that door is open for you to go do that. But if it's, but if it's not so important to you that you can't go, you might ought to ask yourself where you stand with God. Paul said that there was a door open for me, but I could not go through it. I mean, think about it this morning. God could open a door for somebody in this church to go out and instead of having just a mediocre career, God could open a door for you where that all of a sudden everything is just, I mean, it's just beyond anything that you could ever think of or dream, or dream about in your life. God can open a door for you as a young person this morning with your future, with your future spouse. Like so many young people today, and I don't know how you date anymore. I mean, we didn't have Facebook and all that stuff that people have. In our day, you just walked right up to them and said, you won't go out. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of interaction there. Yeah. A little bit of interaction. A door wide open for you. And then let me put it to you this way. Some of you that are part-timers in church this morning, that you're struggling spiritually, you can't pray right, you, you, you come to church and you find that it's awkward at times and you don't understand, where is God in my life? But you've not given God everything and all the while the door is open for you just right in front of you. Just what if you was to pick it up a notch or two and then all... You walk through that door and all of a sudden everything changed in your life. You find God is more real to you than he's ever been before. You sense something different on the inside. All of a sudden the word of God means more to you. Preaching is different. Church is different. And you can't get enough of God all because you walked through a door that was open for you in your life. You may say, preacher, is, can God do that? Try him. Now, Let's have a history lesson about the Apostle Paul for just a second. At the end of what I've read today, the Apostle Paul was at Troas, another city. He had just suffered an awful time of persecution. Chapter number 1, that's what chapter 1 is about, that persecution that he had faced. And he was given the reason why he was ministering the way that he was. He had suffered so, but by chapter number 2, he's on to why he's exhorting the people of God. Now, I want you to consider. So anybody remember in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, when the old preacher would preach about the Macedonian call? Yes. The apostle Paul was in Troas, and this is where it was at. A door was wide open for him to go preach the gospel. And no doubt thousands of people could have gotten saved because of what Paul was doing. But he could not find that one man that he needed to help him in his life. And so God opened another door. God opened another door for the Apostle Paul. And in a vision, while he was asleep at night, there was a message from God sent to the Apostle Paul from Macedonia. It said, come over here and help us. We need your help. And the Apostle Paul left Troas and went down to Macedonia and there began to preach in a way like he'd never done before and had great success. And I say that that a door may be open sometimes that may not be God's perfect for, will for you to walk through. I believe the steps of a righteous man 
are directed by the Lord. It's not by chance that you're in our church today. Not by chance. You're here today for, uh, no doubt, to appease somebody maybe. You're here because you felt guilty. Maybe I need to just come to church. And you feel like, no, what's happened is the providence of God has come to you in your life. And He's spoken to you. And He's talked to you. And He's ordered your steps and got them to exactly where they're at right now in life. I believe in the perfect will of God. But I also believe in the permissive will of God. That's when we get messed up and crossways with God. But God, isn't God good that He overlooks our ignorance? What kind of church do you want your church to be? Well, I've got some principles that I'm not going to bow or bend on. We're going to be a church that edifies Jesus Christ. And we're going to preach Jesus until that he comes. There won't even be an argument about that. And I believe our deacons will stand alongside with me with this, this way of thinking. We're going to be a church. We're going to be a church that loves each other. We're going to find ways to love and help each other in the most difficult time of our lives. In fact, this month has been so different for our church family, has it not? Have you ever seen such a time of death? Listen to me. People that used to sit right here, right where Larry is at, those empty places right there, we all know who sat there. People that sat right up here, we all know who sat there. What happened? I cannot figure out how that they did this, and and I'm still trying to, to figure it out in my mind. How that four of the greatest saints of God that have ever walked and graced the hills of northeast Georgia were even together in this church. And they just come in Sunday after Sunday and I leaned on them so hard. As long as they were here, I felt like that I could charge hell with a water pistol and win the fight. I'm serious. And those were the Tituses that Paul had. And I, I would, and I, and that we, we were so close, so close. I could call on them and we'd call and we were jovial and fun and we were together. We were fighting the fight of faith. And I would give anything just to hear Charles pray one more time in our church. Those men would surround me, and I tell you what, I had it good. I've got it good now, but when you get close to somebody like that, there's no replacement. I heard a preacher say this just this week. He had somebody die in his church, and it took him almost a year to get over it. But what kind of church are we going to be going ahead? And every once in a while, I go back and I remember what Charles did to me when Roger passed away. And you can believe me or not, and I don't care if you don't believe me. I was so hurt for what I was feeling on the inside. And I was sitting right there on the front and I was just, I don't know, I never felt like that. Just knowing... 
just knowing where he was at and what was going on. And I said, God, could you today just, just one, just today, I said, God, could you just send Charles to sit with me? And I, this is, this is the truth. You could have counted 30 seconds. Charles gets up and he comes, puts his hand on me and he says, God told me to come sit with you. That's the kind of church I want. Whether you can think the thought to God and pray the thought, Brother Rondell, and God answer it in 30 seconds. Only God can do that. I want our church to be the kind of church where that we can labor and minister in such a way that when it comes time for these kids to get saved, that there's the kind of spirit in this place that they can get up with confidence and come get in this altar and pray and receive Christ as their Savior. I'm not talking about signing cards or repeating prayers. I'm talking about getting born again, my and being born in the family of God. The Apostle Paul's the greatest preacher that ever walked on the planet, but even he couldn't walk through some doors. In closing today, let's face it. You come. You come. Paxson's going to come help me give the invitation. He's changed his mind. You know, there's some preachers that would say that, that they wouldn't be okay with it. It don't bother me a bit. Don't bother me a bit. You can pray for, for them, then you can pray for me because we need the prayers and you need the practice. And I love Mount Gilead now more than ever. And I see so much work that needs to happen and be done. But I need a Titus. You need a Titus. You need somebody that's going to come along beside of you and walk through those doors together. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega. Or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.